You pour your heart into your business, you give to your clients, and you take care of your family and your community. And you put off taking care of yourself. When you only focus on doing, you bottle up your emotions, which taxes your body and depletes your energy. You struggle to show up, to keep up, and to create results. My name is Dr. Mary Maduna Gross. About 10 years ago, I burned out of the only career I thought I'd ever have. I got divorced, and I was crushed with chronic illness and pain. Now I have a business that I love, a husband I can grow with, and my health is on track. Through the power of coaching, I have come to recognize the resilience and power I carry within my soul. You have this resilience and power as well. Welcome to Inflow with Soul, where we create the space for playful restoration. Space to pause, to play, and to connect with your soul. Because when you take care of you, your results will take care of themselves. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for being here for today, for, for this edition of Inflow with Soul. I really want to hear your story about entrepreneurship. As your cousin, I knew about your journey from afar, but I didn't know it up close. So I'm really interested to hear it up close, what this journey was like for you, and where you are today and how you restore, rest and restore yourself. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes. I love it. I love it. All right, Maggie. So tell me a little bit about when, when you hear someone say, what is your path uh, as an, what was your path as an entrepreneur? Like, how would you respond to that? My particular path, your path. So my path as an entrepreneur, I, I think it was always in my blood. I mean, okay. I had lemonade stands since I was probably seven or eight years old. Really? And loved everything about, I mean, this is probably goes to why I opened a restaurant later in life, but I enjoyed even finding out how the revenue works. I would invest in the lemonade mix. I would invest in the cups and then I would have to make at least that much money back. And if there was more than I paid back. And so this happened at a very young age. Okay. I was really interested, not necessarily in the commerce, but the interaction of producing something that I could share with others. Okay. I'm across as, um, for me, nourishing people through food, which started out as lemons. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so then tell me where this goes. You, you're seven, eight years old. You're doing lemon stands. How do you jump from that to a restaurant? Well, yeah. Um, so fast forward going through college, I was majoring in women's studies and English and knowing that both of those degrees in the end would just be college degrees, that I didn't necessarily have a path forward. I did not want to teach. Um, I, I did use the English degree because I did write a cookbook, so that did come in handy. <laughs> but, but I did take a, I took some time off from college. I spent a year in the Netherlands um, studying abroad, and that kind of opened my eyes to a bigger picture of what do I, where do I see myself in this world? What do I see myself doing? And it really came down to living with passion. Yeah. And I asked myself, you know, what is it that just really lights me up? Mm -hmm. And it was feeding other people. I, I would always have dinner parties. I would have people over in the college years. I'd have them over after the bars and just make them snacks. <laughs> okay. I just, I loved feeding people. 
And so I meditated on that for a bit and was like, if this is what I love doing, what does it look like to do professionally? Right. And again, still in college and working as a waitress, I was also managing a health food store, uh, the deli, and specifically running their kitchen. And it kind of dawned on me that I got all my tools from managing that deli. I was setting everybody's schedule. I was interviewing. I was doing the hiring, the firing, and the recipe development. And so then it kind of dawned on me, I could probably do this. I think I have all the tools and the resources to figure this out. You are doing it, (laughs) right? At the time, you were actually doing it. So yeah, one thing led to another, and I ran a restaurant for almost 20 years. And I opened when I was 25. Okay, so I definitely want to come to that. But I want to back up for a minute, talking about passion. A lot of us, we have passions, probably don't even want to, we're a little scared maybe even to look at what those passions really are. How is it that you, at that at college age, were so tuned into following a passion? Well, I think this probably ties in my yoga practice, which is what I'm doing now, because I started yoga when I was about 16. And I started meditating shortly thereafter. Um, Had some pretty profound experiences around 18, 19 years old, where I thought, okay, there's more to the mind than than just this. And so being in that space, I think, kind of prepped me for looking, looking outside of mm, small thinking, so to speak, okay. I guess, because I think that's what would stumble us on that path of not following our passion is getting into the mindset, very narrow thinking of this is what we have to do to earn an income to point A to point B to point C and following some sort of linear path. And I think the yoga practice gave me a wider perspective, whereas this is not just it. Um, It was also the death of my brother when I was really young. I was 21 when my brother was was killed. And it was kind of an eye-opening of like, all right, life is really short. You know, he got to have 23 years on this planet. And I thought, you know, what are you going to do with a short time? You never know who's going to call you up. You know, Grim, <laughs> the Reaper is always waiting. What are we going to do between now and the time he phones us, right? So that, I guess, also sparked me. So I guess I could say it was trauma-informed as well, that I kind of got kicked into gear of realizing that I'm going to live my life now because I don't know when my last breath is. And so I didn't want to waste any more of it. And then I just kind of did it. <laughs> I mean, there's, I didn't have much background in business. Mm -hmm. I did take one class at a community college when I lived in Arizona for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a, how to build a small business. And it was maybe a semester course at a community college. That's much experience as I had going into it. And then I took three online classes on how to learn taxes. And I taught myself as I went but I loved every minute of it because I knew I was building something on my own and I got all the creative freedom. And even though that's a lot of hard work, if your passion's behind it, it doesn't feel like work. Right. It feels one more step towards this creative explosion. Yeah. It's, so it just really fascinates me as I'm listening to this story. It all started with be, having the courage to follow that passion. Mm-hmm. Because as you say, all of the things that we have to learn along this path of building a business I think that if any of us saw a list of the curriculum, here's everything that you're going to have to know, we'd probably say, no, thank you. Right. 
right? Yeah. Uh, it, it can be a little bit over, uh, be a little daunting, right? Mm-hmm. But as you say, by following the passion, it just, it's the natural next step yes. to living that passion and to experiencing it. Yes. Um, so, you with Stephen Ells on NPR yesterday about his journey with Chipotle and wow. the interviewer had asked is this was this like stare like did you just see this just growing exponentially and he said no I really saw it as linear growth because even though it wasn't you know it was a right. multi-dollar company it was just one foot in front of the other and then you had to take on more responsibility learn a new curve and then the next thing came and the next thing came so he described it as just seeing it a linear path and that really rang true with me when I heard his interview. I said, it is like that because it isn't overwhelming in the beginning. I mean, it can be, but you're going to learn as you go. And so you take one foot in front of the other and then something else presents itself on the path and you figure that out. The obstacle becomes a lesson and then you move forward into that and you just keep going one step after the other and it does fall into place. Right. So along that path for you, tell me about a stumble or two where the path was really maybe felt like it was more difficult than you were prepared for? Hmm. That's a good question. Okay. This was life circumstance. So it wasn't necessarily related to the business at all. But um, when my husband died from cancer, I had a newborn. She was three months old. And then our oldest daughter was six years old. Mm -hmm. And that became my big stumble because I no longer had the energy. This is why the restaurant closed. It was a very successful business and um, it didn't close because of that. It closed because I was overwhelmed by other things in my life. Um, But that I would say was the biggest thing that came into my path that I said, okay, something has to give. My family can become priority right now Mm -hmm. or I can try to keep giving something not my all. And I knew at that point, I didn't have the energy anymore to, to give it what it needed for further growth. And so I just decided, put it on a pause and it's been paused. I closed in 2018 and now I am in a place with a commercial kitchen and I'm starting again, but I needed a deep pause to reset. So what gave you the opportunity to hit pause because a lot of the people that I work with and, and up until recently, I would say even myself, like I, I wouldn't have had the luxury of time or money to be able to hit that pause. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where, again, based on my own experiences, where I start to, w- when I look at my timeline and my storyline, those stories where I, those places where I got stuck is because I didn't believe I had an out. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you here you are in a situation, your, your husband has passed, you have a newborn child and a six-year-old and a, and a successful business, and you're saying, I can't do all of this. So mm-hmm. how, what were the co- conditions that gave you the, and I don't even know if this is the right word, but gave you the permission mm-hmm. to make that choice? So I should also preface this by saying I've always had a yoga practice. And so okay. even I ran the restaurant during the day. We Our hours were breakfast and lunch. Okay. In the evening, I teach yoga classes. And I did that for two decades. And okay. so I literally shifted the gears. I made the yoga practice the daily. And now the food service is on pause. So I really just shifted the gears. I had both avenues. I had always been teaching yoga, but it was only one or two nights at the YMCA. 
Okay. But I had that. And I knew that that was a lifestyle that was going to allow me to be present with my family, mm-hmm. present in my own mind, present with my grief, present with the transition of losing, surrendering a business that was really my first husband and my first child. <laughs> All right. But surrendering that, I needed the grace of my yoga practice. And the meditative mind came back into play there to say, okay, well, let's just shift this. Let's get grounded. Let's get centered. You can make a business out of this. You know how to make a business. Maybe it's just time that this takes priority. And so now I opened a yoga studio. I have a fairly large wellness center here. So we have massage therapists, shiatsu massage therapists here. And we will hopefully have a commercial kitchen or a tea house up and running soon. So it was really just a matter of letting one thing go and prioritizing the other. What was going to nourish me the most? Yeah. And it comes back to, well, I still have a passion for yoga. I know how good it feels to get into our bodies. Yeah. Because for some reason in our culture, we run as far away from that as possible. True. We don't nourish ourselves appropriately with food. We don't nourish ourselves appropriately with movement. And we certainly don't make conscious efforts to breathe during the day (laughs) fully like stopping everything and just unless we're sighing, you know, and sighing feels so good because we're actively breathing deep. But yeah, I think that passion came through is I want everybody to taste this. So what do you tell your clients then um, about taking that moment to breathe? How do you help those of us who are kind of like on go from the minute mm-hmm. our feet hit the floor in the morning till we crash at night? So it's a necessary pause. Okay. It is a vital pause. So what I tell people is that your body never heals in a state of action. It only heals in a state of rest. So if you are looking to heal your body on any level, specifically the cellular level, mm-hmm you need to be at pause. We know that our liver, our enzymes, our pancreas, our kidneys all reset, all reset in the evening when we're sleeping. Okay. Um, So I just say it's mandatory if you don't give yourself this pause. And there's really three things that will keep your body healthy and stable. And it's adequate sleep is the first one, because that is where your body is healing Mm -hmm. movement and nourishment, right? If we can do those three things, The adequate sleep is important, but also the pause, because if we're not getting appropriate sleep, then there has to be a time in the day that we just stop. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be a lotus position. It doesn't have to be eyes closed, zen oming. It doesn't have to look like what our cultural appropriations have described meditation to be. It can be you're doing the dishes and you're feeling the water running over your hands. You can feel the texture of the, the, the plate. You can feel the texture of the washcloth. And you're just present with that. Yeah. And the, oh, this was, this plate nourished me. It had food on it. And now I'm getting the privilege to clean it. A moment of gratitude and a moment of awareness is that pause. It's not just sitting with your eyes closed in a cross-legged position for an hour. It's just a moment of pause to reconnect back in. And in that, if we feel those grace, those moments, they come more and more naturally. We don't even have to make an effort to make it happen. They just start happening. 
When did you start noticing that just happening for you? Mm. Uh, most specifically, I think I slowed down enough after my husband died. Okay. Um, because grief just has a funny way of resetting. As you know, we have all lost our loved ones. And when, when that hits, it's a major psychic shift. And I always describe it as a veil. When it first happened, there was a year of the, of the grief veil where you just, nothing quite phases you anymore. It just becomes like, okay, all right, I'm waking up and I'm getting through this day. But I would look up, and this was something that kind of just came to me. I always say, maybe it's Pat whispering in my ear, but look up. And when I look up, suddenly every little problem here on earth becomes very um, small, right? I look up and I'm like, there's so much more than we even know. I don't care to know it. I love the great mystery. I don't care to define or try to make sense of it. I just love knowing it's there and trusting in it. And so looking up is just, that became my pause. And I started doing it more and more often. And every time I did, it would just be like, my shoulders would sink back. My jaw would unhinge. And suddenly there, just a softness. I would just soften from whatever moment I was clenching, whatever problem I was holding so tightly to, like I couldn't fix and I had to fix would just, whew, okay, well, this is this lifetime. This is a, this is a, problem but is it like in the grand scheme of things on a scale of one to ten ten being you know the most horrific thing you can imagine happening it probably doesn't even hit the scale then so those moments of pause of like okay what really matters in this lifetime and how much of my energy am I giving away to a problem that's probably not as big as I'm making it out to be so sometimes it just took that looking up and every time I noticed it be like aha and now I do it more and more often I love it. I love it. <laughs> there it is, right? Yeah. Again. Yeah. That's beautiful. So yeah. you, um, go, let's go back for a moment to your experience with the first restaurant. Um, mm-hmm. You described with your uh, lemonade stand that you liked the whole process of knowing what you were investing in, knowing how much mm-hmm. you needed to charge and how much profit you were going to make. Mm-hmm. How did that translate when you became a restaurateur? Uh, yeah. That part is the part that I didn't stress about because I feel like if I got tied up in the monetary manifestation of the business, it would be really rigid and hard. Okay. If that makes like it felt it wasn't going to be the creative flow that I needed. Um, so I just let that part go, right? Like I didn't hold so tightly to the numbers. Instead, what I did was look at the process. Okay. So here's going to be the menu. This much food has to come in. I can make this much product. And then having that process go and letting it all just unfold organically. I really think that grace steps in at that point. Okay. I think if we get really, and this is maybe just me, it might just really be my own personal experience. But if even now, If I get obsessed with how much rent I have to make to maintain this building, how much has to come in to get the bills paid and the taxes, and that will tighten every muscle in my body and constrict me. If I trust and go, all right, what can I do today to make this space light and flowing and creative? And I 
love the name of your podcast, by the way. Oh, oh, oh it's the flow. And it's just allowing it to happen. Um, somehow there is a universal truth that aligns to all that. And then things just come. Yeah. I truly believe that because that's what happened with the restaurant. I didn't fight so hard about making the numbers. I do love numbers. Normal. I just, I'm, I, I kind of love accounting. I just, I like playing with, oh, okay, well, here's the, but I don't obsess about it. I don't stay with it and go, oh my God, we got to get our numbers up. And here's the profit and loss sheet. I don't even think I ever made a PL sheet. I don't think I ever did one PL sheet, but I just could tell, okay, yeah, well, we have enough money in the bank to get more food. Oh, we have enough money in the bank now to hire another person. Now we have no, well, money must be coming in, you know, and then letting that go and keep coming back to how is this nourishing me and how is this nourishing the community? Where is the creative flow? If I kept that going, the money followed. I love to hear that part of the story and I did not see that coming at all. But if I could uh, share a little bit, uh, one of the things I, I coach uh, right now, real estate agents. And so, you know, in the fall, we're talking about planning for the next year. And it's all about how, you know, how much money do I want to make or how many units do I want to close? Right. And I really just sense that nobody was involved, invested in this, like nobody really hung their heart on those numbers. Mm -hmm. And so I started to shift the conversation to who is describe the real estate agent you want to be a year from now. Who is that person? What does that person do? How does that person feel? What does that person do first thing in the morning, right? What do they, how do they talk to themselves? So that we really, we're starting with who is it that I want to be in this role that I've chosen for myself? And then at the, let the activities follow from what you want to be. Because I believe that the result is, as your story uh, validates for me, is that our results come when we follow our, our passions and, and there's some trust and we keep showing up. Obviously there's still action involved. You couldn't mm -hmm. just trust the universe, right? That it was going to bring money to you if right. you weren't there ordering the food, cooking. Actively participating. Exactly. Yes. exactly. So I uh, thank you so much for that story. Cause I really, I just have the sense that that is really how we, it's the most comfortable way I think to move forward. I would rather move forward following who is it that I want to be rather than worrying about how much money did I make this month? And, right. and you know, I, how, I, I want to be, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I want to be set up. And that was part of my question earlier too. Like when you were able to hit pause, you, you must've had some financial systems in place that put money aside so that when you needed that pause, you were able to still cover your family and, and sustain everybody and, and still live a, a, the lifestyle that you wanted to. Um, yes. So there were some decisions that needed to be made about the money, but it, but you are, you built your business on your passion and yes. showing up and engaging in that passion. Absolutely. I think of it too, with real estate, the, the passion behind it. Most people don't go into real estate just to go into real estate. They go because they either love interior design or they love like staging a home or they love interacting with people. And, and the idea of home is so sacred and to be able to gift that to somebody. And that I think is the passion behind most people who go into real estate. And if they fuel that of, wow, this is a gorgeous house. It'll sell itself because you believe it's gorgeous. And it becomes like something that you can easily sell and you're proud to sell because you believe, you stand behind it and believe it. 
And then the passion of like sharing a home, giving somebody shelter and I mean, in its most basic form, but really being able to be a part of that, because that's a big deal for people to have a home is a huge thing. And to be the conduit that gives a person, I think that's why people are in real estate in the beginning. It's not just a career you just pick up. There's, there's everything behind it from the architecture to the subtleties of the kitchen. Right, right. Well, you certainly have captured the heart of a real estate agent. (laughs) Um, Your description is what I hear from my clients on a weekly basis, and it is following that passion. And and so we're kind of on this experiment of following our passions this year. We're, We're keeping track of our numbers too, but really letting our passions and, and those emotions, how do I want to feel at the end of this sale? How do I want to, how do I want my clients to feel at the end of this sale? Mm-hmm. And letting that be the guide for our actions during the day. Yeah. 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 Beautiful. So one other thing before we go today, I really, we've touched on this a little bit, but it's the idea of restoration. Um, I have come to, wow, like I've, I, again, I talk about it. I know it's important, but I have really experienced just how critical, critical it is to take care of ourselves because mm-hmm. we run out, we run out of energy. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've already mentioned yoga and meditation. What else do you do to restore yourself on a regular basis? 100%. This is like with, uh, without even question outside. I just, I go, nature restores me. Nature absolutely 100% restores me. I'm lucky I have a lake fairly close to my house, just a public a city lake. And there's a trail that goes around the lake. It's about two miles long. And that's my reset button. I just walk on that trail. I, I don't care what the weather is. You know, there's no wrong weather, just wrong clothes. Bundle up. It's the Midwest. <laughs> It's, um, it is so vital for me to be outside. And I think that component back to looking up because then realizing that this too shall pass, that this, this, this lag of energy that I'm experiencing now, this is temporary. And I, I just, I let nature replenish me because a lot of, a lot of things drain us. Yeah. A lot of things drain us, um, expectations from other people and obligations and commitments. These things can really take and drain a lot of our energy. And if we look at nature, it's so abundant and it never ceases to give. It's constantly supporting us. And then sitting in that going, I'm always supported and there's no lack out here. The fresh air and the sunshine and the stability of the earth that, that will never be for lack. And so I just soak it up. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, that's the truth. I really do. I soak, I just need to be outside to just get my reset button. And then I'm like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. It's just like drinking from the well. There's something so healing about just, even if it's a walk around the block, I'm lucky enough that I have the lake, you know, a couple miles from the house, but I don't, I could just walk around my house. I could walk around the neighborhood. That would do the same thing. Okay. And is that a practice that you do consistently at the same time? Yes. Oh, not consistently. No, no. Just when I need it. 
And that's what I was going to ask. Like, how do you know when you need it? Mm -hmm. I think we all know our depleted levels, right? Like you're just, your fuse is short, you're impatient, you're not tolerant anymore. Maybe you're judgmental. Like those are the things that are my keys of like, okay, time for a reset. Yeah. Right. Like I'm being really critical right now. Why? Like then my cup's not full, right? Like, all right, let's go fill up. Yeah. Well, I love your description of how you know, because I, I think a lot of us don't know, right? We're, we're not at that level of, of paying attention. And, and I'll say for myself, last year, I did not do enough to take care of myself and I didn't recognize it. So that's, I love your description of how to recognize it. I would say for myself too, it's those indicators for sure show up for me when I'm more impatient with my husband or you know, with time. If I have this sense of everything's got to be done right now, like, right. okay, yeah, it's time for a reset. <laughs> Yeah. And that's a constricted feeling too, to feel like we lack time because yeah. that's also, you know, a mental concept. And I know that we live in a linear world and we use time, but at the same time, when that governs our life, it can feel really constricted. Absolutely. Um, and it's, it is truly just taking the time to, I, I want us to all to be so gracious with last year. Yeah. Not anybody did the self-care last year because we were in survival mode. Exactly. So there's a difference between just having to get through. And I think a lot of us were in survival mode and self-care does come on the self on the back burner when you just got to get through the day. Right. And so that's, I mean, there's so much grace in just going, you know what? I was in survival mode. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess what? I freaking survived. <laughs> and so there's self-care pat on the back of like, I did what I had to do and now I'm here and now, yeah. And then recognizing, okay, am I still in survival mode? Yeah, we always are. But can we dial it back enough to be like, all right, if I get through this day and I help myself, can I help others? Yeah. yeah. I love that. Well, Maggie, I have enjoyed this conversation. Uh, me too, Mary. So much. So for our closing here, tell me a little bit about where people can find you now and what you're doing. Sure. Okay. So um, we do have an online store. So milkweedyoga.com. We've got some of our um, elixirs there. So I'm hoping, like I said, to get the tea house up and running. So I developed a line of elixirs. We have some uh, golden teas and different uh, uh, nourishing beverages. And then I also do a line of aromatherapy. And a lot of that, I'm actually just misting it on myself as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I do, um, I do a lot with essential oils because that seems to bring a lot of uh, calming and healing to my mind. So we do offer a lot of that on our website. Um, the studio itself is in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're on Havelock Avenue in a very historic district of, this, of the town. And we have a wellness center here. So we have yoga, we have massage, we have Reiki, we have Ayurvedic consultations and Ayurvedic treatments. And in the future, hopefully sooner than later, we'll have a kind of a nourishing tea house, which will be not just a coffee house. It has functional uh, medicinal beverages. So we have adaptogenic herbs that we use. And my hope is that we just continue to bring forth something in this community that offers a little light. Yeah. Well, I know I trust you following your passions and that you will find exactly what the neighborhood needs. Oh, thank you so much, Maggie. <laughs>
Uh, I appreciate it so much. Thank you for your time. Oh, likewise. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Hi, this is Mary. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope that you are coming away feeling maybe a little inspired, maybe a little more informed, or maybe just rested. Most of all, I hope you're coming away feeling empowered. If you do, please leave me a five-star review on iTunes. But most importantly, please pass along this sense of empowerment to your friends and to your networks. Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate you.